0: 11. Osmer made her a triton and murder made fountains. And a siren fountain for Lady Marion Alford, Houston. Caroline A. No reply to circular, Houston. Francis C. Bronze Medal at Atlanta Exposition. Honorable Mention at Paris Exposition. 1900. Member of the Watercolor Club. Boston. And of the Society of Arts and Crafts. Born in Hudson. Michigan. 1851. Studied in Julian Academy under Lefevre and Bollinger. A portrait painter whose pictures are in private hands. They have been exhibited in Paris, London, Naples, New York, Philadelphia, and Boston. Mrs. Houston writes me, I have not painted many pictures of late years, but all was something for exhibition every year. She first exhibited at Paris Salon in 1889, in London Academy in 1890, and annually sends her portraits to the Boston, New York, and Philadelphia exhibitions. Hoxie. Vinnie Rehm, born in Madison, Wisconsin, 1847. This sculptor was but 15 years old when she was commissioned to make a life size statue of Abraham Lincoln, who sat for his bust. Her completed statue of him is in the rotunda of the Capitol at Washington. Congress then gave her the commission for the heroic statue of Admiral Farragut, now in Farragut Square, Washington. These are the only two statues that the United States government has ordered of a woman. This artist has executed ideal statues and several bust portraits of distinguished men. Of these the bust of Isra Cornell is at Cornell University, that of Mayor Powell in the City Hall of Brooklyn, etc. Hudson, Grace, Gold Medal at Hopkins Institute, San Francisco, Silver Medal at Preliminary World's Fair Exhibition of Pacific States, and medals and honorable mention at several California State Exhibitions, born in Potter Valley, California studied at Hopkins Art Institute, San Francisco, under Virgil Williams and Oscar Cunoff, paints genre subjects, some of which are, Captain John, in National Museum, Laughing Child, in C.P. Huntington Collection, Who Comes, in Private Hands in Denver, etc. Mrs. Hudson's Pictures of Indians, the poems especially, are very interesting, although when one sees the living article one wonders how a picture of him, conscientiously painted and truthful in detail, can be so little repulsive or, in fact, not repulsive at all. At all events, Mrs. Hudson has no the rival in painting California Indians. If we do not sympathize with her choice of subjects, we are compelled to acknowledge that her pictures are full of interest and emphasize the power of this artist in keeping them above a wearisome commonplace. Her Indian children are attractive, we must admit, and her Pomo bride, seated in the midst of the baskets that are her dower, is a picture which curiously attracts and holds the attention. Her compositions are simple, and it can only be a rare skill in their treatment that gives them the value that is generally accorded them by critics, who, while approving them, are all the time conscious of surprise at themselves for doing so, and of an unanswered why, which persists in presenting itself to their thought when seeing or thinking of these pictures. Helbert, Mrs. Catherine A. born in Sacramento Valley, California, Pupil of the San Francisco School of Design under Virgil Williams, National Academy of Design, New York, under Charles Noel Flagg, Artist Artisan Institute, New York, under John Ward Stimson. This artist paints in watercolors and her works are much admired. Among the most important are The Stream, South Egremont, which is in a private gallery in Denver, in the woods, belongs to Mr. Whiting, of Great Barrington, and Sunlight and Shadow, to Mr. Benedict, Albany. New York. Mrs. Helberg is also favorably known as an illustrator and decorative designer. Hunter. Mary White for silver medals at Royal Academy Schools Exhibitions, Diploma for Silver Medal. Women's International Exhibition. Earl's Court. London. Member of Society of Painters in Tempera. Born in New Zealand. Studied at Royal Academy Schools. The following list of the titles of Mrs. Hunter's works will give an idea of the subjects she affects, Dandy and Beatrice joy to the laborer, an Italian garden, where shall wisdom be found, and the, Roadmenders, in Academy Exhibition, 1903, the only work of Mrs. Hunters that I have seen is the, Dandy and Beatrice, Academy, 1900, and the impression I received leads me to think an article in the studio, June, 1903, a just estimate of her work, it is by A. L. Baldry, who writes, in the band of young artists who are at the present time building up sound reputations which promise to be permanent, places of much prominence must be assigned to Mr. J. Young Hunter and his wife, though neither of them has been before the public for any considerable period, they have already, by a succession of notable works, earned the right to an amount of attention which, as a rule, can be claimed only by workers who have a large fund of experience to draw upon, but though they have been more than ordinarily successful in establishing themselves among the few contemporary painters whose performances are worth watching, they have not sprung suddenly into notice by some special achievement or by doing work so sensational that it would not fail to set people talking. There has been no spasmodic brilliancy in their progress none of that strange alternation of masterly accomplishment and hesitating effort which is apt at times to mark the earlier stages of the life of an artist who may or may not attain greatness in his later years. They have gone forward steadily year by year, amplifying their methods and widening the range of their convictions, and there has been no moment since they made their first appeal to the public at which they can be said to have shown any diminution in the earnestness of their artistic intentions. The school to which they belong is one which has latterly gathered to itself a very large number of adherents among the younger painters a school that, for want of a better name, can be called that of the new pre-Raphaelites. It has grown up, apparently, as an expression of the reaction which has recently set in against the realistic beliefs taught so assiduously a quarter of a century ago. At the end of the 70s there was a prevailing idea that the only mission of the artist was to record with absolute fidelity the facts of nature. Today the fallacy of that creed is properly recognized, and the artists on whom we have to depend in the immediate future for memorable works have substituted for it something much more reasonable. There runs through this new school a vein of romantic fantasy which all thinking people can appreciate, because it leads to the production of pictures which appeal. Not only to the eye by their attractiveness of aspect, but also to the mind by their charm of sentiment. It is because Mr. Young Hunter and his wife have carried out consistently the best principles of this school that they have, in a career of some half dozen years, established themselves as painters of noteworthy prominence. Their romanticism has always been free from exaggeration and from that morbidity of subject and treatment which is occasionally a defect in the work of young artists. They have kept their art wholesome and sincere and they have cultivated judiciously those tendencies in it which justify most completely the development of the new pre-Raphaelitism. They are, indeed, standing examples of the value of this movement, which seems destined to make upon history a mark almost as definite as that left by the original brotherhood in the middle of the 19th century. By their help, and that of the group to which they belong, a new artistic fashion is being established, a fashion of a novel sort for its hold upon the public is a result not of some irrational popular craze, but of the fascinating arguments which are put into visible shape by the painters themselves. Hyatt, Harriet Randolph Mrs. Alfred L. Mayer, Silver Medal at Exposition in Atlanta, Georgia, 1895, Member of National Art Club, New York, Born at Salem, Massachusetts, Studied at Cowell's Art School and with Ross Turner, later under H. H. Kitson and Ernest L. Major. Among this artist's pictures are, shouting above the tide, primitive fishing, the choir invisible, etc. The plaster group called the Boy with Great Dane, was the work of this artist and her sister, Anna Von Hyatt, and is at the Bureau of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. In New York, Hyatt, Anna Von, member of the Copley Society, Boston, born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, studied nature at Rostock's Animal Arena, Norumbega Park. And at Sportsman's Exhibition, criticism from H. H. Kitson, the principal works of this artist are the Boy with Great Dane, already mentioned, made in conjunction with her sister, A Bison, in a private collection in Boston, and Playing with Fire. In November, 1902, Miss Hyatt held an exhibition of her works, in plaster and bronze, at the Boston Art Club, there were many small studies taken from life. Hyde, Helen member of the art association san francisco born in lima new york but has lived so much in california that she is identified with that state and especially with san francisco she made her studies in san francisco philadelphia new york and paris where she was a pupil of felix rigami and albert Stirner. she then went to holland where she also studied On her return to San Francisco she became so enamored of the Oriental life she saw there that she determined to go to Japan to perfect herself in colored etching. Miss Hyde devoted herself to the study she had chosen during three years. She lived in an old temple at Tokyo, made frequent excursions into the country, was a pupil of the best Japanese teachers, adapted herself to the customs of the country, worked on low tables, sitting on the floor and so gained the confidence of the natives that she easily obtained models, and, in a word, this artist was soon accorded honors in Japanese exhibitions, where her pictures were side by side with those of the best native artists. Miss Hyde has made a visit to America and received many commissions which decided her to return to Japan. A letter from a friend in Tokyo, written in October, 1903, says that she will soon return to California. I. G. H. I. N. O. Mary, a sculptor residing in Genoa. Since 1884 she has exhibited a number of busts, bas-reliefs, and statues. At Turin in the above named year she exhibited a group in plaster, love-dominating evil. She is especially successful in bas-relief portraits, one of these is of the Genoese sculptor, Sandvarian. She has also made a bust of Emmanuel Filiberto and in terracotta a bust of Oeddoria, the 15th century heroine of Matilene. She has executed a number of decorative and monumental works, and receives many commissions from both Italians and foreigners. Inglis, Hester, this artist lived in the last half of the 16th and in the early decades of the 17th century. In the Library of Christ Church College, Oxford, there is an example of the Psalms, in French, written and decorated by her, which formerly belonged to Queen Elizabeth. In the Royal Library of the British Museum there is also a book of emblems from her hand Ida Jean honorable mention Paris Salon 1888 and the purse of the city of Paris at Paris Exposition honorable mention 1889 traveling purse 1891 medal at Chicago Exposition 1893 medal third class Salon 1896 medal second class 1899, Silver Medal. Paris Exposition. 1900. Member of Société Artistes Francais, Société Libre. Société de Prix du Salon et Boursiers de Voyage. Born in Paris. Pupil of her father. Several works of this sculptor have been purchased by the government and are in the bureaus of ministers or in provincial museums. A, Bacanti, is in the Museum at Agen, a portrait bust in the Museum of Alger. At the Salon of 1902 Mademoiselle Idas exhibited A, Madonna, in 1903. A portrait of M.W. Mademoiselle Idas knows her art thoroughly. When still a child, at the age when little girls play with dolls, she was in her father's atelier, working in clay with an irresistible fondness for this occupation, and without relaxation making one little object after another until she acquired that admirable surety of execution that one admires in her work of quality sometimes lacking in the work of both men and women sculptors. Since her debut at the Salon of 1886 she has annually exhibited important works. In 1887 her bust of the danseuse, Marie Soles, was purchased by the government for the opera, in 1888 she exhibited a plaster statue, the young scholar, and the following year the bust of her father, in 1898, St. Sebastian, in high relief, in 1891 an Egyptian harpist, which gained her a traveler's purse and an invitation from the Viceroy of Egypt, in 1893 a Renaissance bas-relief, in 1894 the superb funeral monument dedicated to her father, in 1896 she exhibited, in plaster, the Bacanti, which in marble was a brilliant success and gained for her a second-class medal and the Palma's academic. While the statue was acquired by the government, Mademoiselle, Idas has also gained official recompenses in provincial exhibitions and has richly won the right to esteem herself mistress of her art. J.A.C.Q.E.W.I.A.R.D. Mademoiselle, N.E.L.I.E. E. Medals at Paris Salon, 1868, 1869, and 1870. Born in Paris, a very successful portrait painter. Among the portraits she has exhibited at the Paris Salon are those of Marshal Ken Robert. General Dorel D Paladins, General de Palacau, Count de Chambrun, M. Dufour, and many others, both ladies and gentlemen. Her portrait of Pierre in 1872 was greatly admired, Paul de Burist wrote of Mademoiselle Jack Mart. In the Zeitrift Feuerbild und Kunst, one feels that this artist does not take her inspirations alone from the sittings of her subjects but that she finds the best part of her work in her knowledge of character and from her close study of the personnel of those whom she portrays. Janda, Hermione von, born at Klosterbruch, 1854, pupil of Ludwig Holanska and Hugo Darnett. Since 1886 her landscapes have been seen in various Austrian exhibitions. One of these was bought for the Franzens Museum at Bruin, while several others were acquired by the Imperial House of Austria. Jenks. Phoebe A. Pickering, born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, 1849. Mrs. Jenks writes that she has had no teachers. Her works, being portraits, are mostly in the homes of their owners, but that of the son of T. Jefferson Coolidge, Jr. has been exhibited in the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston, and that of Mrs. William Slater and her son is in the Slater Museum at Norwich. Mrs. Jenks has been constantly busy in portrait painting for 27 years and has had no time for clubs and societies, she esteems the fact of her constant commissions the greatest honor that she could have, she has probably painted a greater number of portraits than any other Boston contemporary artist, J.R.I.C.H.A. Bauman, Elizabeth, 1819-1881, Honorable Mention, Paris Salon, 1861, member of the Academy of Copenhagen, born in Warsaw, pupil of Carlson and Stilke, in Dusseldorf, in Rome she married the Danish sculptor Jericho and afterward lived in Copenhagen. She traveled in England, France, Russia, Greece, Turkey, and Egypt. Her picture of a Polish woman and children leaving their home, which had been destroyed, is in the Raczynski collection, Berlin, Polish peasants returning to the ruins of a house, in the Lansdowne collection, London, a wounded soldier nursed by his betrothed, in the gallery at Copenhagen where is also her portrait of her husband, an Icelandic maiden, in the Kunsthalle, Hamburg. Her picture, reading the Bible, was painted for Napoleon III At his request, Madame, Jericho painted a portrait of the present Queen of England, in her wedding dress. A large number of her works are in private houses in Copenhagen. One of her most important pictures was a life-size representation of Christian martyrs in the catacombs. This picture was much talked of in Rome, where it was painted, and the Pope desired to see it. Madame Jericho took the picture to the Vatican. On seeing it the Pope expressed surprise that one who was not of his church could paint this picture. Madame Jericho, hearing this, replied, Your Holiness, I am a Christian. Hans Christian Andersen was an intimate friend in the Jericho family. He attended the wedding in Rome, and wrote the biographies of Professor and Madame Jericho. Theophile Gautier once said that but three women in Europe merited the name of artists Rosa Bonheur, Henriette Brown, and Elizabeth Jericho, and Cornelius called her the one woman in the Dusseldorf School, because of her virile manner of painting. Among her important portraits are those of Frederick VII, of Denmark, the Brothers Grimm, and Hans Christian Andersen reading his fairy tales to a child, Madame. Jericho was also an author. In 1874 she published her, Memories of Youth, and later, with her son, the illustrated, Pictures of Travel, Jopling Rowe, Louise, Member of Royal Society of British Artists, Society of Portrait Painters, Pastel Society, Society of Women Artists, Born at Manchester, 1843, Pupil of Chaplin in Paris, also studied with Alfred Stevens. Since 1871 Mrs. Jopling has been a constant exhibitor at the Royal Academy and other London exhibitions, and frequently also at the Paris Salon. Her pictures are principally portraits and genre subjects. Her first decided success was gained in 1874, when she exhibited at the Academy the Japanese Tea Party, and from that time she was recognized as an accomplished artist and received as many commissions as she could execute. The Baroness de Ruffchild had been convinced of Mrs. Jopling's talent before she became an artist, and had given her great encouragement in the beginning of her career. The portrait of Lord Ruffchild, painted for Lord Beaconsfield, is thought to be her best work of this kind, but its owner would not allow it to be exhibited. Her portrait of Ellen Terry, which hangs in the Lyceum Theatre, was at the Academy in 1883. It is in the costume of Portia, Mrs. Jopling's pastels are of an unusual quality, delicate, strong, and brilliant. Her portraits are numerous, and from time to time she has also executed figure subjects. Of late years Mrs. Jopling has been much occupied with a school of painting. The large number of pupils who wish to study with her made a school the best means of teaching them, and has been successful. From the beginning they draw from life, and at the same time they also study from the antique. Many of her pupils receive good prices for their works, and also earn large sums for their portraits in black and white. Mrs. Jopling writes, What I know I chiefly learn it alone, hard work and the genius that comes from infinite pains, the eye to see nature, the heart to feel nature, and the courage to follow nature these are the best qualifications for the artist who would succeed. In the Art Journal, July, 1874. I read, the five o'clock tea is the largest and most important design we have seen from Mrs. Jopling's hand, and in the disposition of the various figures and the management of color it certainly exhibits very remarkable technical gifts, especially do we notice in this lady's work a correct understanding of the laws of tone, very rare to find in the works of English painters, giving the artist power to bring different tints, even if they are not harmonious, into right relations with one another. The above-named picture was sold to the Messrs. Agnew. And was followed by The Modern Cinderella, which was seen at the Paris Exposition in 1878. At the Philadelphia Exposition in 1876 she exhibited Five Sisters of York. Mrs. Jopling is also known as the founder and president of the Society of the Immortals. She has written several short tales, some poems, and a book called Hints to Amateurs, at the Royal Academy, 1903. She exhibited, hark, hark, the lark at Heaven's Gate sings, which is a picture of a poor girl beside a table, on which she has thrown her work, and leaning back in her chair, with hands clasped behind her head, is lost in thought. Joris, signorina Agni's pseudonym, Faltissimi, was accorded the title of professor at the Institute of the Fine Arts, Rome, 1881. She was successful in a competition for a position in the Squale Technici. Rhone, 1888, Honorable Mention, Florence, 1890, Same at Palermo, 1891 and 1892, Silver Medal of First Class and Diploma of Silver Medal, Rhone, 1899 and 1900, Member of the Societa Cooperativa, Rhone, born in the same city, and pupil of the Institute of Fine Arts and of her brother, Cavalier Professor Pio Joris. This artist writes that a list of her works would be too long and require too much time to write it. They are in oils, pastel, and watercolors, with various applications of these to tapestries, etc. She also gives lessons in these different methods of painting. In a private collection in New York is her Spanish scene in the 18th century. She painted a portrait of the late King Humbert, arranged in the form of a triptych surrounded by a wreath of flowers painted from some which had lain on the king's bier. She sent this picture to Queen Margarita, who not only graciously accepted it, but sent the artist a beautiful letter and a magnificent jewel on which was the royal cipher. K.A.R. Rowling, Henriette, born about 1832, daughter of the artist, J.T. Kerling, who was her principal teacher. She practiced her art as a painter of portraits, genre subjects, And still life in Budapest during some years before her marriage to the Padanist Putcher, with whom she went to Vienna. She there copied some of the works of the great painters in the gallery, besides doing original work of acknowledged excellence. In addition to her excellent portraits, she painted in 1851, The Grandmother, in 1852, a garland with religious emblems, in 1855, a crucifix wound with flowers, KALCKRUDH, Countess Maria, Medal at Chicago Exposition, 1893. Member of the Society of Women Artists in Berlin. Born at Dusseldorf, 1857-1897. Much of her artistic life was passed in Munich. Her picture at Chicago was later exhibited at Berlin and was purchased for the Protestant Chapel at Dachau. It represented Christ raising a repentant sinner, a strong work, broadly painted. Among her important pictures are, in the sunshine, faint-hearted discontented, and several portraits, all of which show the various aspects of her artistic talent. Kaufman, Angelica, an original member of the London Academy, she was essentially an Italian artist, since from the age of 11 she lived in Italy and there studied her art. Such different estimates have been made of her works that one may quote a good authority in either praise or blame of her artistic genius and attainment. Kugler, a learned, an impassioned critic, Says, an easy talent for composition, though of no depth, a feeling for pretty forms, though they were often monotonous and empty, and for graceful movement, a coloring blooming and often warm, though occasionally crude, a superficial but agreeable execution, and especially a vapid sentimentality in harmony with the fashion of the time. All these causes sufficiently account for her popularity. Raphael Mengs, himself an artist, thus esteems her. As an artist she is the pride of the female sex in all times and all nations. Nothing is wanting: in composition, coloring, fancy all are here. Miss Kate Thompson writes, Her works showed no originality nor any great power of execution. And, while sometimes graceful, were generally weak and insipid. For myself I do not find her worthy of superlative praise or condemnation. One cannot deny her grace in design, which was also credibly correct. Her poetical subjects were a pleasing in arrangement, her historical subjects lacked strength and variety in expression, her color was as harmonious and mellow as that of the best Italian colorists, always accepting a small number of the greatest masters, and in all her pictures there is a something it must have been the individuality of the artist that leads one to entertain a certain fondness for her, even while her shortcomings are fully recognized, the story of Angelica Kaufman's life is of unusual interest. She was born at Coyer, in the Grisons, 1740 to 1807. Her father, an artist, had gone from Schwarzenberg to Coyer to execute some frescoes in a church, and had married there. When Angelica was a year old the family settled in Morbegno, in Lombardy. Ten years later, when the child had already shown her a predilection for painting and music, a new home was made for her in Como, where there were better advantages for her instruction. Her progress in music was phenomenal, and for a time she loved her two arts one as well as the other and could make no choice between them. In one of her pictures she represented herself as a child, standing between allegorical figures of music and painting, the exquisite scenery about Como, the stately palaces, charming villas, the lake with its fairy-like pleasure boats, and the romantic life which there surrounded this girl of so impressionable a nature, rapidly developed the poetic element born with her which later found expression through her varied talents. During her long life the recollections of the two years she passed at Como were among the most precious memories associated with her wandering girlhood. From Como, she was taken to Milan, where she had still better advantages for study, and a world of art was open to her which far exceeded her most ardent imaginings. Leonardo had lived and taught in Milan, and his influence with that of other Lombard masters stirred Angelica to her very soul. Her picture soon attracted the attention of Robert Geste who became her patron and placed her in the care of the Duchess of Carrara. This early association with a circle of cultured and elegant men and women was doubtless the origin of the self-possession and modest dignity which characterized Angelica Kaufman through life and enabled her becomingly to accept the honors that were showered upon her. Her happy life at Milan ended all too soon. Her mother died and her father decided to return to his native Schwarzenberg to execute some extensive decorative works in that vicinity. In the interior decoration of the church Angelica painted in fresco the figures of the Twelve Apostles after engravings from the works of Piazzot. The coarse, homely life of Schwarzenberg was in extreme contrast to that of Milan and was most incongenial to a sensitive nature, but Angelica was saved from melancholy by the companionship she felt in the Grand Pine Forests which soothed her discontent, while her work left her a little time to pine for the happiness she had left or even to mourn the terrible loss of her mother, her father's restlessness returned, and they were again in Milan for a short time, and then in Florence, here she studied assiduously a while, but again her father's discontent drove him on, and they went to Rome, Angelica was now eighteen years old, and in a measure was prepared to profit by the aid and advice of Winkelmann, he conceived an ardent friendship for the young artist, and, though no longer young, and engaged in most important and absorbing research, he found time to interest himself in Angelica's welfare, and allowed her to paint his portrait, to which she gave an expression which proved that she had comprehended the spirit of this remarkable man of threescore years, while at Rome Angelica received a commission to copy some pictures in Naples. After completing these she returned to Rome in 1764, and continued her studies for a time, but her interests were again sacrificed to her father's unreasonable capriciousness, and she was taken to Bologna and then to Venice, this constant change was disheartening to Angelica and of the greatest disadvantage to her study, and it was most fortunate that she now met Lady Wentworth, who became her friend and afterward took her to England. Angelica had already executed commissions for English families of rank whom she had met in various cities of Italy, and her friends hoped that she would be able to earn more money in England than in Italy, where there were a numberless artists and copyists. After visiting Paris she went to London, where a brilliant career awaited her, not only as an artist, but in the social world as well. De Rossi thus describes her at this time, she was not very tall, but slight and her figure was well proportioned, she had a dark, clear complexion, a gracious mouth, white and equal teeth, and well-marked features. Above all, her azure eyes, so placid and so bright, charmed you with an expression it is impossible to write, unless you had known her you could not understand how eloquent were her looks, her English friends belonged to the most cultivated circles, many of them being also of high rank. Artists united to do her honour showing no professional envy and making no opposition to her election to the Academy. Many interesting incidents in her association with London artists are related, and it is said that both Fuseli and Sir Joshua Reynolds were unsuccessful suitors for her hand. Miss Thackeray, in her novel, Miss Angel, makes Angelica an attractive heroine. The royal family were much interested in her and the mother of the king visited her in honor never before accorded to an artist and the princess of Brunswick gave her commissions for several pictures. De Rossi says that her lepers at this time were those of a person at the summit of joy and tranquility. She was able to save money and looked hopefully forward to a time when she could make a home for her unthrifty father. But this happy prosperity was suddenly cut short by her own imprudence. After refusing many eligible offers of marriage, She was secretly married to an adventurer who personated the Count de Horn, and succeeded by plausible falsehoods in convincing her that it was necessary, for good reasons, to conceal their marriage. One day when painting a portrait of Queen Charlotte, who was very friendly to the artist, Angelica was moved to confide the secret of her marriage to the Queen, until this time no one save her father had known of it, Her Majesty, who loved Angelica expressed her surprise and interest and desired that Count Horn should appear at court. By this means the deceit which had been practiced was discovered, and the Queen, as gently as possible, told Angelica the truth. At first she felt that though her husband was not the Count Horn and had grossly deceived her, he was the man she had married and the vows she had made were binding. But it was soon discovered that the villain had a living wife when he made his pretended marriage with Angelica who was thus released from any consideration for him, this was a time to prove the sincerity of friends, and Angelica was comforted by the steadfastness of those who had devoted themselves to her in her happier days.